0: June 21st, 2022, we're in Masechet Sanhedrin, and if you count from the bottom of the page up, it's 14 lines up, and it's the fourth word on the line. If you recall, the context of this Mishnah, this long Mishnah, is the description of how we would check the witnesses with Bidikot and hakirot, or I should say hakirot and Bidikot, and then we got into the conversation, the discussion of the proceedings in Beit Din. So how then did we execute the judgment? How did we appropriately listen to those witnesses? Did we give the litigant a chance or the, a person that's being dealt with the nidon a chance to defend him or herself and so forth, and at this juncture in the Mishnah it says v'imatzulo zechut patruhu. Once we got into the dealings and the deliberations and the determinations, if we found that he was a zakai, meaning the judges, this betin of twenty-three determined. That he is Zakai, he's meritorious, he's not Hayav Mita. Patruhum, so they sent him home, they ended the case. It could have been as such. Vimlav, what if not? What if this matter was getting a little bit more sticky? It was getting more serious, and it seemed as if there is a strong voice of Hayav in Betim. We have 23 judges, we're dealing with this person. I don't know. He was perhaps a murderer, a mehalil Shabbat, whatever the circumstance. And it appears as if we can't or won't be in the direction of zechut ma'avirin oto lemahar. We adjure a court and we say, we'll convene again tomorrow. Why are we doing so? We're hoping that overnight people will think it over, people will let it brew a little bit, perhaps they'll be able to see it in a different light, and as a result, Mizdavegin Zugot Zugot, what the Beit Din would then do is they would pair up, they would pair up and they would be no seven o ten badavar, they would discuss the matter. I would talk to you, you'd talk to me, we'd say you heard what he said, I wonder if we could see this differently. But the judges, the Dayanim at that time, were taking this very seriously. They would minimize in eating in order to demonstrate for themselves and others how serious and how focused they were on this deen. And they wouldn't drink any wine. Drinking wine would, maybe sometimes it gives you a certain lucidity, but it also has a way of taking away your clear precision in thought. Rashi, for one reason or another, says on their own, I guess he didn't go home with your zug. you would, throughout the night, be thinking and deciding and understanding this case. And the next morning, they'd wake up, they'd come to komi. the person who the day beforehand was the melamed zechut was the one who was saying this person is meritorious, he's not hayav mita. he would stand up and he needed to maintain that opinion. We saw this earlier in the Gemara, we saw this in the last Perek, but the idea was that at Hakra'at HaDin, when we would make the final determination, that person could then change his opinion publicly and tell others that he thought differently. But now that yesterday, in the initial openings of this case, he thought zakah, he thought this person, is not liable to death penalty he can't change his opinion publicly during the deliberations the ongoing conversations he needs to stand by his word again in his mind he may have changed it What's that? The judge. the judge, the judge, we're on judges. Witnesses spoke. The judges now are determining. So he opens up and says, And the person who was Mehayev who thought the day beforehand, some of the judges thought that this person's liable to death penalty. He can, he doesn't need to, but he can stand in his place and say, I'm still mechayev, but he can also change his opinion. Chova, Zechut, the person who the day beforehand was Melamid Chova said, You heard what the witnesses said, you saw that piece of evidence, you understand, did you see and understand what took place over here? I think Hayav, if he said that on the initial day, he can change his opinion publicly on the second day. Aval but the person, as I said a moment ago, who thought Zakai on day one, this guy is innocent, says the judge, in he can't publicly, until the very end, to change his mind and say, this guy's actually Hayav Mita, this woman's Hayav Mita. Ta'uba what if they were uncertain? Well, it's a little funny situation. You were so focused on the case, but you forgot your opinion that you stated publicly the day beforehand. So you walked into court the next day and you're wondering, am I allowed to talk about being hayav or not? Well, it depends what opinion you had yesterday. I don't remember what my opinion was yesterday. Oh, what am I supposed to do? I need to keep quiet? So you turn to the stenographers, you turn to the sofre, the scribes of the dayanim who were taking court proceedings and they were listed and they wrote what the different opinions were and they would let him know. You understand that Mishnah is getting a little bit deliberate and elaborate with regards to the details that would take place. If as a result of this proceedings that next day they had a, a, a vote and it was 12 to 1 zakai so then they'll send them home they say shalom we hope you stay out of trouble in the future but you're zakai we're not going to put you to death lav. what if the case was such that they didn't find um dim Minyan. in other words it's not clear that we have a majority for Zehut. So now we're omdim la minyan. We've seen that word, leminyan. Minyan, of course, means to count. We saw nimnu ve gamru and af'ayin dalid, ahead of ourselves in the Gemara, when the Gemara talked about nimnu ve gamru aliyat bet right? When they were determining the shaloshet hamurot, of course, it wasn't a case, a judgment about a person, but it was when they were voting about a specific law, halachot of yehareg val So omdim la minyan means they would count themselves up, they would take a vote what if it's a 12 to 11 vote but it's a 12 to 11 and the majority is innocence, zakai. We saw this halacha already earlier in the Gemara and the Mishnah and the halacha generally speaking is when it comes to zichut, to maintaining and preserving life, we go based on a small majority. A single vote is a majority. In order to be mechayiv, to put a person to death, alternatively we have the pasuk in the Torah that you're not allowed to go, a you're not allowed to put a person to death based on just a simple majority and you need a super majority, you need two which means to say effectively you're not going to have in a 12 to 11 vote you're never going to have a situation where you just have two who are the Mechayevim. You could have such a situation, we saw this on Daf where you might have a 11 versus 11, so that's 22, and Hadomer eniyodea, one of them abstains. Now what we're going to see in our Mishnah is you add two more on, if you added two more on, they might be Mechayev, in which case you'll have just a two majority for Chovah, for putting to death. But anything less than two would not, in the majority, would not put a person to death. You can have a 13 versus 10 in a simple case. But you can't have a 12 versus 11 for Choda. So again, Alternatively, in contrast, if <coughs> twelve say guilty, and even if there's eleven who say zakai, you Hadasan innocent. And eleven who say hayav, and one of them is abstaining. In any of these cases, and even twenty-two say innocent, or mehayavin, and twenty-two alternatively say hayav. One of them says, I don't know. In any of these four cases, if you have a case where someone says, I don't know, you can't close the case without 23 votes. If you have a 12 versus 11 in the direction of Hava, in these sorts of circumstances, what do you do? You add on judges. Doesn't matter, you need 23. It's Betin of 23. But you didn't have a case which was judged by 23 opinions, no good. Yeah, you're right. Logically speaking, you say, what's it gonna do? The answer is. That's the way our system works, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm with you, I'm involved, if you do it my way, you don't do it my way, you're not doing a Jewish court system, and as a result you need it. You're right, it defies a certain logic, but it's got a certain systematic vision to it. Anyway, you Dayanim the kama mosifin, how many dayanim, how many judges do you add on? Shenaim shenaim, you add on twos. So if it's 11 versus 11, add on two. What if they're at a standstill and so forth? Or what if it was 12 versus 11 zechut uh, and now, or, or excuse me, chodha, and then you add on one more? It'll be evil. Well, you're going to be adding two more on until you have a akhra'ah in one direction. Either you have one more l'zikhot, in other words, they're voting that way, or alternatively, you have two l'chodha'ad until shiv'im ve'ehad until you get up to the number 71, which is our number for Sanhedrin Gadol. Uh, So what happens in such a circumstance? If you found 36 in that situation who say zakai, innocent, versus 35 who say guilty, zakai, of course, that's a majority. What if alternatively you have the opposite way? We got up to 71, you kept it at 71 for one reason or another, you got 36 who say Hayav, guilty. we have a standstill in case what's going to happen in such a situation we can't put to death you have the duke it out they fight with each other they argue they disagree I hope not too much of a ruckus but they're discussing it these against these the Mishnah says, until one One of the guilty ones understands the opinion of the innocent one and changes his opinion of course it could be in the opposite direction as well it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to end that way we would just rather it end that way Our objective is always seven o'clock minyan. Our objective always is in terms of saving and maintaining lives. All right, so that's the Mishnah. The Mishnah set forth for us again at the very onset, that which we discussed yesterday, the Sheva Hakirot, the questions, the initial questions in order to determine whether these Edim are Edim Zomimin or not, which were questions about place and time. And the question that the Gemara will deal with throughout our limud this morning is what's the source for that so they say give us a source a line or two the Gemara will not only spend more than a line or two it'll spend almost a full amud on the technicalities of this dirasha but that's the issue says the Gemara minah minah from where hane these these words where, from where are these words in other words what's your source in the Torah keep in mind by the way it was a machloka between hachamim and bioseh B- bioseh maintained there were three so any source we're bringing is really just for the hachamim. And will need to tell us at some point why he disagrees. But for the hachamim, the Halakha, sheva, bid, sheva Hakirot, there are seven necessary questions. Again, absolutely necessary. If there's an abstinence from answering any of these questions, the case is out. They don't need to answer whether the stem of the figs, in the case of Ben Zakai were thick or thin. If they do, it'll, it'll maybe help us. But in Hakirot, they need to answer, what's my source in the Torah that those Sheva Hakirot are absolutely necessary? Amar Rav Yehuda, Rav Yehuda cites three separate Pesukim. The first will be in the context of irhanid Dahat, of course, a city which the majority of of the people, the inhabitants are Oved Avodah Zarah we put them all to death in such a circumstance with Mitat Saif the second case will be a Yahid HaOved Avodah Zarah an individual who worships Avodah Zarah that person gets sikila and the third source will be Edim Zomimim those false conspiring witnesses, if we catch them being displaced If the witnesses come and say you were with us on that day, they We do to them as they conspire to do to the other. Well, these are the three sources, but somehow we're going to derive from these sources Hakirot, seven of them. First and foremost, the Torah says that the Zekinim, the Sanhedrin, the Bedin, needs to do the following. Number one. Number two. Those are two references to looking into the matter very well. Visha alta and you'll ask uh, scrupulously, carefully, intensely. That's three. All right, we got three. and then the Pasuk by Aved Abu says, it'll be told to you, and you'll listen. one. Hetev, two. We're reading the word hetev intensely. As a separate count explains, Rashi, the word vidarasha already means intensely. To be doresh, I know we imagine today a dirasha, drasha. The rabbi makes the dirasha. How intense is it? But the word dirasha in the legal sense means to look into something intensely. So if I say you need to look into it intensely, intensely, well, that's redundant. The fact that the Torah has that extra word of hetev counts as another one. So we're up to five again. Our first pasuk gave us the v'hakarta, that's three. The second one gives us vidarashta and Hetev. Ve'omer. And then the third pasuk, in the context of idim somimin, says vidarishu, one, hashof the, etim. The judges will be doresh. Hetev. And I told you Hetev counts as the second, second one. We got up to our number seven. Fantastic. Says It in two, says it in two separate contexts, it's in two separate contexts, it says it by Oved Abu Zarah and it says it again by Edim Zomimin, to teach us, count them all up, that's the understanding of the Gemara, that's it, we should close it, I told you we have a full Amud, the Gemara says we're not going to let you go so easily, ve'ema hada hada kediktiva says the Gemara, maybe the Torah is really just telling us that each one of them, Hada means one, needs to be dealt with individually. In one case, you need to have three. In the other case, you need to have two and in the other case yeah I need to have two who told you to count these all up similar along the lines of what Charlie was asking in other words the Torah yes is redundant but don't read it as redundant read it as here's the law by Irhani Dachat three and so forth and there's a, by Oved uh, and uh, here's by who told you to count these up since when do we do a counting game since when do we count up the opinions it says the Gemara it's part of the question of the Gemara because after all, if it were that we needed seven, then the Torah should have had it all written as one, right? The fact that the Torah in three separate contexts gives us a count, tells us that's the count for this, that's the count for Dean Ken, if it were not so, says the Gemara, l'ikhtivinu, the Torah, Rachmana, Rahmana should have written behada, in one circumstance. Mentioned seven verbs, seven ways of mentioning that you need. And then what we'll learn from binyana, we'll derive from that to all the other cases. Why does the Torah, in this funny way, do three and two and two? It seems to be telling me something different than you were suggesting until now. Answers, the Gemara, kevan dekulehu behadeh hadadeh ketiba, mehadadei yalfez as the Gemara since technically speaking they're all written in the same fashion in the same way they're all talking hetev they're all talking dirisha hakira and so forth our understanding is we should learn one from the other so in other words the question was don't the answer is do the question was but they're written separately the answer is but they're so similar the question is you put three on that corner and two on the other corner and two on the other corner who said they all go to the same school the answer is but they're all wearing the same clothing, they have the same dress dress code, they must all be gone. I'm thinking about when I drive every morning, and I'm well, not, not any longer, the schools are out, but I pass by in corners, I see on one corner this, another corner, I'm able to figure out what school they go to, Well, not, well they go to the same school. But that's, that's, that's the idea over here, even though they're on separate corners, the bus is gonna pick them up on separate corners. Since they're written in the same fashion, the same kind of together, one from the other, Yalfe, yalif means to learn. And since they're derived and learned one from the other, it's as if, Keman, it's as if it's just like diktiv as if they're written As All right? That's the understanding of the Gemara. Says the Gemara, but not really. They don't all have the same clothing. They're not the same. They have similar words. Okay, very nice. But they're completely different. They're very different with regards to their humrot, their severities, which means to say the following. We're well aware of this from learning Gemara for some time. The Gemara will always tell us you can't compare and assume two items and two realms of Halakha are the same if they have different severities. Over here, keep in mind, the halakha of hakirot is a kula, it's a leniency. Why is it a leniency? The fact that I asked seven questions to this witness, to these witnesses, by definition means it's harder for the witnesses to get by, which in turn means it's harder to put to death the litigant as a result i'll tell you that maybe specifically you need these hakirot when you're dealing with the less lenient case when it's the more lenient case maybe it wouldn't apply and each one of these has their own leniencies and and, and stringencies you can't compare one to the other. How so? Explains the Gemara. Irhanidahat, for example, when I deal with Irhanidahat, the Gemara always reminds us of this. Irhanidahat is very unique in terms of its severity. ladamya, it's not similar to Ovedavud as an individual, nor ta'idim zommin, now I understand it's similar, but it's not the same, it's more severe. Why so shekin mamunan palat? Because after all, the um, property, the mamon, the possessions of the people in the irhanitahat palat, it's 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 taken away. It's it's burnt. It's called shalala. All the shalala is nikbats in rehov ha'ir, and you burn it. Well, that's a severity that you don't have in other cases. Who said the fact that the Torah says three times over there that you're supposed to look into it, that you're going to apply it to other cases? Uh, or alternatively, maybe you only have three over there because it's more severe. In the other cases, maybe you have more derishot and hakirot because they're less severe. Abu Azarayit stays in the family, yes. However, there is something in Avodah Zarah that is more severe, even though it's not the property. Because when it comes down to it, Avodah Zarah is put to death with Sikila, put to death by stoning, which we assume it certainly is more severe than sa'if. There's a question between hachamim and abishim'on, what's the top in terms of severity? We learned this in the Mishnah. It's either Serifa or or sikila but ultimately speaking, it's sikilah, is at the top. Avodah is more severe. You can't derive laws from other cases where you're dealing with Saif, like in Eid Hanidahat, where they get beheaded. That's at the bottom of the list, or it's very, very least below sikila You can't even Eidim Zomimim, because our standard general case is Saif. as a person was a murderer and their test, falsely testify, or alternatively you could come up with a case of Saif, it's not the same thing, you're mixing different dress codes and assuming they all go to the same school. Lastly, says the Gemara <inaudible> even <inaudible> is more severe than the other two, how so, really? <inaudible> the other two don't get put to death aren't punished if they don't have a warning there's no necessary warning to them that's a fascinating thing I thought in no, it's not the same law but the general assumption is you need a hatra unless you're to be we've seen this opinion several times that it's only left but the mainstream opinion is you need hatra why is the Adim different Rashi explains Aidim Zomimin is you're doing to them they conspired to do the other person. The other person they're trying to put to death without any witness and without any warning, right? After all, they're testifying this guy was Shabbat, this guy was a murderer. When he wasn't, he certainly didn't get a warning because he wasn't actually doing it. We do to them as they wish to do to the other. Oh, says the Gemara, that being the case. We're stuck again. Explain to me your dirashah You told me you had this number count. Three, two, two brought you up to seven. We said, but it should have all been written in the same, the same context. It's written separately. It must be the separate laws. Says the Gemara, no, but they're all the same type of thing. They're not all the same type of thing, answers the Gemara. But the words are similar. I know, I kind of revealed that to you earlier. We're going to do that. The Gemara says we have a Gezer Shava. What's the Gezirah Shava? The Gemara says that it's a gezerah shavav, that interesting and peculiar word, that word is not a common word in the Torah per se, and it says intensely, a lot, you're supposed to look into this. The fact that it's written in such a fashion, and apparently we have a tradition for it, we generally assume gezerah shavah is based on masoret, says the Gemara, you had a gezerah shavah, which is a masoret. Furthermore, says the Gemara, this gezerah shavah is a special gezerah It's what's called the gezerah mufneh, mufne, which means to say the words that are used are for one reason or another open. They're open to the extent that we say the reason they're written in the Torah is for Gezer It's different than a standard Gezer HaShavah. Standard Gezer HaShavah is the word, is written over here, it's written in another place, I link them to one to, one to the other, but I might have questions, I might knock out the limuth and so forth, when it's a Gezer HaShavah mufne, which means to say that we are assuming these words are specifically and only for the Gezer HaShavah, there's no questions on it. You don't say, but this one's more severe and that one's different who told you this is a gezera shava <laughs> mufne who said it's Mufneh? deila mufne ikal mefrakh because if it was not Mufneh, if quote unquote it wasn't open it wasn't purposed with these words for the gezera shava <laughs> ikal mefrakh mefrakh means you would have been asking questions what questions would you have asked Questions we just mentioned a minute ago. This one's more severe than that. That one's more severe than this. And so on and so forth. Lemifrach milashon parech. Avodat parech is back, break, breaking labor on Yisrael in Egypt. Lifroch means to knock down something, to break it. means to ask. Says the Gemara, laye, afnuyeh yemufne. Laye is an Aramaic word not used often in the Gemara. means in truth. Indeed it's so. Afnuyeh yemufne. It's, it's a Gezerah How do you know that it's open? How do you know that the word is specifically for this? From the fact that the Torah could have and perhaps should have written, very simply. The Torah could and should have just said, they look into it and they investigate. They ask questions and they look into it. That's it. What's with the word hetev? That word, if you're sensitive to language of the Torah, it's an interesting word. It's a word that was unnecessary and is peculiar. It's not, it's not common. V'shanei kera in the Torah changes biddibure, it's wording, b'hetev, quote-unquote, with that word hetev, shemamina le'afnuyeh, says the Gemara, it must be that the Torah was writing it so, alam had it in the Torah as such, just for this gezer shava all right, says so the Gemara. But I'm still not fully convinced. The Akati means, and still the Adai in Mufne mitzad Echadhu, it's still not fully Mufne. Fully Mufne means it's not on all ends. We look at that word and we assume it's completely open and specific for this Keser Ashav. What are you talking about? Bishlama hanach tarte Mufnehu mishum da'havalen miktav. on the second. Uh, the second and third cases, that was the case of Abu Zarah and the third case was Eidim The Torah used the word Hetav. You forgot something. We pulled the wool over your eyes. We said, oh, ah, We're linking it up because of the word Hetev. Look at the Pesukim on the bottom of Tafmim Mudalif. It says Hetev in the latter two. It doesn't say Hetev in the first one by Irhani Dachat. So very nice that so you linked up those last two. You got four over there. But your first three is not really linked up to them. It says the Gemara. Mishum Dehavale Excuse me, again. Bishlama. I understand Hanach Those latter two cases. Abu Zarah of a Yahid. And idim zomim mufnehu mishum da'aval le-michtav because it should have said just vidarashta ve-hakarta eli irani da'achat may haaval le-michtav says the Gemara. But by irani da'achat, what should or could it? the Torah says vidarashta ve-hakarta? Torah says it exactly the way ha-kitivakulu. The Torah fills it all out. You can't tell me this. And hatam nami answers the Gemara. Hatam nami afnuym mufne mishum da'aval michtav darosh tidrosh or hakor tahkor says the Gemara, the fact that the Torah says the following. It says, And then it says, Again, our first pasuk as well has Hetev, but it has it on Visha Alta. We weren't counting it because it wasn't connected to the Darashita. But still, it's mufneh. Why is it mufneh? Pas- Again, the way we establish mufneh goes as follows. Why did God use this word in the pasu? I don't know. He used the word because it made sense. If there's no reason for him to be using this, we call that mufneh. All right, the latter two pisukim, I understand, vidarashta, the Hakata, it could have said, and instead it says hetev. Why did it say hetev? Josphagizheh Rashavah. But the first pasuk says vidarashta. And it says Hakarta. So the fact that it says hey, tev, you can call that mufne. What's that? Just say oh, v'sha'ata. V'sha'ata. what? Mm, Alright. Along the same but I, 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 the, the point is as follows. The Torah could have and should have just said Something along the the way that darosh tidrishin or something along those lines, the fact that the Torah even changes the wording is enough. The Gemara's suggestion is that darosh tidrosh or hakor the fact that the Torah does from darosh and hakor together already raises our eyebrows and makes it peculiar to the extent that we call that mufne. The Torah is already using words that it didn't need to. Hetev. Okay, maybe it needed to, but those words, why does it repeat? Why doesn't it repeat them? It's to tell you it's a Gezir HaShav mufneh. Very technical legwork over here, but right now we're standing okay. It means we got our seven from these three Pesukim. Again, how am I linking these Pesukim? I have Charlie's question. I have three, two, two. read it. Three over there and two over there and two over there I don't know about the other cases no we have which links them up but maybe is only applicable in one case not in the other case and so forth no it's to teach us that says the Gemara in order to make it a says the Gemara okay but you still didn't fill everything out for me what do you mean you didn't fill everything out I got it perfect no listen to the, these three cases first case again what's the death penalty Saif, beheaded. What's the death penalty of Avodah uh, Zarah, the next one? Zikila. Those are two of the more severe ones. Edim uh, I don't really know what the death penalty is because it depends on the circumstance. Who said that in the case of Hanik, of strangulation? Who said in the case of Serefa, case of, of burning, you're going to have the same laws of seven. With our Mishnah said, there's always seven hakirot. I only established it from the Pesukim in the context of Sikila and Saif, who said, I'm going to have it by others. Says the Gemara, first and foremost, and the easier one, Hanuk. Hanuk is in the bottom of severity, it's at the bottom of the list. So we make a Kalvah If you need seven hakirot by the most severe Sikila case, so then, certainly you need it in the least severe. This is not the problem of in uh, in onchin min hadin because we're doing the opposite over here. We're saving lives from Homer, right? The more hakirot you have, the less deaths you have. And as a result, if you need hakirot where the guy heard what he did, he did something and he needs seven hakirot. We're even looking to save his life. Then certainly. It's terrible to say it like this, but certainly the guy who slept with an Eshetish, terrible, but in terms of severity of the Torah, it's Hanik, it's lower, he needs seven hakirot as well. miniskalin u'min and of course from Saif as well, which was mentioned in the context of Irani Dachat. Ve'atun nisrafin, and nisrafin as well, which is lower miniskalin. It goes sekila serefa. So at the very least, I'll learn serefa cases, call it bat ishkohin, who has relations. She gets put to death with serifah. That punishment, if it, that you need seven hakirot, would be learned from Sikila that we have. What sikilah that we have? From avodah zara. So as the Gemara, all beautiful, and we'll end with this question, except... You forgot what where, uh, you need your button in these situations. The button in these situations is. This is all fine and understood if you follow the mainstream opinion of Hachamim that Sikila is the most Hamur. If Sikila is the most Hamur and you need Hakirot, seven of them by Sikila, then certainly by the less Hamur, the Serefa case, you need it as well. Ela, lebishimon well known opinion, the one that we learned already even though it's later on. According to him, Serefa is the top of the list in terms of severity. What will you answer? In other words, our Mishnah uh, unequivocally, very simply states, you need seven hakirot, or seven questions, in all cases of 23 judges of death penalties. Who said? What's your source? Oh, my source is from Sekilah. Beautiful. All right, so everything below Sekilah. But according to the Bishimon, Serefa is not below Sekilah. And as a result, we're stuck, according to the Bishimon. What's the source that even by Serefa, you need seven uh, hakirot? That's the question of the Gemara. Elam Rav Yehuda. Rav Yehuda will instead not bring us in in a different direction, but tweak the dirashah, and we'll begin with that tomorrow. Baruch Amen v'amen.